I'm Denzel Mohammed. Welcome to Jobmakers. In a report from the Immigrant Learning Center titled Adult Children of Immigrant Entrepreneurs, it was found that children of immigrant business owners tended to what careers that helped people, social work, healthcare, education, rather than entrepreneurship. Makes sense. They've seen how much effort it takes to run a business in a new country while trying to learn the language, laws, and customs at the same time. In fact, the report found that the parents often dissuaded their children from following the path they chose. For Evan Silverio, child of immigrants from the Dominican Republic, president and CEO of Silverio Insurance Agency, and founder of Diverse Real Estate, both in Lawrence, Massachusetts, he bit the bullet. And with the example set by his mother who founded the agency, achieved success. Eventually, getting into real estate during a housing bust wasn't easy. But just like the perseverance his mother embodied, Evan stuck with it and has since purchased nearly 100 properties across the Commonwealth. Evan describes the example set by his immigrant mother and grandfather and how that shaped not just his approach to business, but also his approach to giving back to the community that nurtured him. Kind of like those other children of immigrant entrepreneurs I mentioned, as you'll learn in this week's Jobmakers. Evan Silverio, President and CEO of Silverio Insurance Agency and sole manager of Diverse Real Estate. Welcome to the Jobmakers podcast. How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much, Denzel. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your businesses and also perhaps tell us a little bit about the things that matter most to you as a, as a professional and an entrepreneur. My mother was, you know, extremely intelligent, hardworking, fearless individual. Uh, I, it was myself and two older sisters uh, that were born here. You know, it's interesting. She gave me the name Evan because she liked the name, but because she thought it was going to be easier on me in my transition in uh, uh, in the United States. Right. Uh, but funny enough, a lot of people get it confused and they call me Kevin. So uh, it <laughs> didn't go as as, as planned. Um, uh, my parents were strict. Uh, they were also very aspirational coming from uh, another country. Um, uh, indirectly, I learned a lot through their own struggles as immigrants, uh, long working hours, uh, failing at, at a lot of business, different business ventures, uh, uh, navigating the school systems, uh, uh, helping family with immigration paperwork. I remember a story about my sister, uh, my, el- my oldest sister going to school and um, and my mother really had to fight for her to for them to accept her in the school system and not put her in in, in a Spanish speaking, uh, uh, I guess, uh, um, like the English language program or something. Yeah, yeah. Like she wanted her to be specific. And I remember that being a huge struggle. Um, and eventually that, you know, she put up such a fight that they ha- allowed her uh, uh, to participate. And my sister did fine and, and she excelled. Um, yeah. So it was it was interesting. Um, yeah. But for us, it was normal. Um, of course. We're, we're, we're around a lot of immigrants, so it made it even that much normal. 
So you spoke a little bit about your mother, and I think you alluded to her determination and her perseverance uh, in the situation with your sister at school. Tell us a little bit more about your mother. She is an entrepreneur, a community leader. She even ran for mayor of Lawrence. That is incredibly cool and incredibly, as you say, aspirational. Tell us more about her. Yeah, like I mentioned, um, you know, when, when I think about my mother, just intelligent, hardworking, fearless, but also funny, passionate, you know, big hearted. Um, I think, I think she spent most of her life making sure that everyone else was okay. And that's exactly how she formed her business and why she gave dedicated long hours to the community, her church, her family, right? Her business was basically established because she was helping, uh, 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 friends and family fill out paperwork, uh, uh do translations, uh, immigration consulting, uh, then after that, it leads to taxes and eventually to insurance. And it was more out of out of her uh, uh, dedication to her community um, that she also found a way to monetize it and say, OK, well, I need to also run a business. Uh, so uh, there has to be some fees associated with that. Uh, but it wasn't about the money either, because most of her time through the community was volunteer work. Right. City councilor or. Uh, or running for mayor and, and saying, you know, we're going to date or her time on the boards, um, more volunteer work than anything. I do want to make a point that, you know, she started these successful businesses here. And as you say, it it it, it directly affected the, and improved the community. Um, but she would not have been able to start her own business back in the Dominican Republic back if she was if she were living there. Right. The opportunity to help other people who really needed someone like her, a voice, a representative of sorts. And I think, you know, she used all of the skills that she she had and 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 really outshined uh, being here, uh, in particular uh, uh, in Lawrence. Um, but I think um, I think the type of person my mother was, she would have been successful uh, in the Dominican Republic. So let's turn it over to you now. Uh, tell us about your real estate business that you started in 2009 while still in your 20s. What has that been like? And how do you see this business growing in the future? Yeah, the, the real estate business is, is just essentially myself investing in real estate. Um, so prior to jumping on board uh, to the family business, I was a loan officer. Uh, for a total of nine years, I think four years uh, before jumping on board. And then while I was doing insurance, I was also uh, um, uh, I was also continuing the loan officer career. And the reason being is I just needed the money. Right. Uh, uh, when my mother came uh, and asked me to jump into the family business, uh, she couldn't afford much. Right. So I said, OK, let me, you know, come on board and, and, and I'll continue doing uh, mortgages best I can uh, with the same amount of time. Uh, through the uh, through mortgages and through uh, uh, being a loan consultant, uh, I just recognized real estate a little bit. It, 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 I could I could um, I could understand it a little bit, and I decided, you know what, I, I think I can uh, uh, throw my hat in the ring and, and try to make some money in real estate. And my first two investments failed; they were terrible failures. And uh, and so yeah, so it was uh, pretty interesting. It was during the real estate boom and bust, and um, and I got caught uh, with some real estate in my hand, but uh, for some reason I said to myself, I, I still still believe, you know, and uh, that this is a good time to to invest. So uh, while everybody else was kind of uh, backpedaling, I, I I got back on the horse, started investing again, 
And um, it was hard, you know, you, you have to sacrifice, you have to, you have to uh, um, make sure you do good by, by a lot of people. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it was a lot of uh, hard money lending um, in order to get some investments in. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the reason that I, that I thought it was interesting was it, my reasoning kept on changing over time. Initially, it was you know, if I can just get a property to pay for my auto loan, that'd be great. And then it said, well, if I could do that, I can get a property to, you know, to pay for, you know, wherever I was going to live. And that would be great. Um, and then it just kept on going and snowballing and, and you know, and, and 100 properties later, you, you know, you change it and say, well, passive income, it has a retirement plan. Uh, there's booming equity. Um and now it's funding certain acquisitions for the insurance agency. So it's, it's kind of working out well. Wow. I like how that it balances out with the insurance agency too. And as you say, a hundred properties, that is incredible. So you, you spoke a lot about your, your and your mother's community involvement and, you know, the model of her business, you know, helping people with immigration forms and taxes and then turning that into a business, monetizing it. Uh, your involvement today stretches from the Lawrence Redevelopment Authority to a scholarship fund you started with Grammy-winning producer and Lawrence native DJ Buddha. Uh, so tell me, what is like the guiding principle behind this kind of work that you do? Um, honestly, I think it just comes from this responsibility to, to give back, to contribute. Um, uh, the scholarship fund, as you mentioned, with DJ Buddha, I, uh, you know, he went, he, he was uh, uh, a Laurentian, uh, such as myself. He went to Central Catholic with me. And I think post-graduation uh, and once we had some money in our pocket, uh, we, we had a, a, a clear understanding that the reasons we were allotted certain opportunities was because of the opportunities that we were given uh, to attend, you know, uh, a higher education and the high school level. And we wanted to uh, give other people that same opportunity. Um, we think that really was a, 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 a pivot, uh, a game changer for us uh, in our younger years. Um, and, um, and if other people can have that same experience and we can make that same pivot for other people, then, then we were going to uh, put some effort into that. Uh, but I think it really comes down to the responsibility to contribute and give back where and when we can. Um, I think now where I have less time uh, on my hands, uh, I know that I still have in the back of my head because part of the whole business plan, uh, be it with real estate or be it with the insurance, is to make sure that we're successful enough that we can continue to, to contribute uh, to those in the private sector, nonprofit, uh, uh, or just community ad advocates that uh, uh, that align with our belief system, and hopefully we can contribute because they need capital to do what they do. Um, so if we can be a source for them, uh, then then we'll be happy to be. As you talk about community development, I, I really think deeply of Lawrence, which of course, you know, had all the mills and it had that sort of boon, and then it sort of busted, and it became a place where. Uh, immigrants moved in because the rents were cheap. Um, I recall your mother, Julia, saying that it wasn't until Latinos were elected to the city council that things really began to change for minorities in terms of access to help and growing their businesses and things like that. In terms of economic development in Lawrence, where do you see Lawrence headed? And what changes would you like to see or what changes would you like to help bring about? 
Yeah, Lawrence is definitely evolving. And I think that you're looking at the tail end of some great things, right? Uh, uh, Lawrence, 15, 20 years ago, is a totally different Lawrence. Uh, and I think, um, I think we have a lot of communities asking our local leaders right now, how, how did Lawrence do it? I was just on a call the other day with, I think it was Chicopee, um, asking and picking our brain on, hey, you know, we, we saw everything that you were able to do. You know, can you give us some some pointers, right? And and what's funny is the pointers really come down to that you really just have to have enough people invested who want it bad enough to roll up their sleeves to try to get the work done, right? Whatever changes, uh, uh, and the better the plan, then then uh, the better, the more the buy-in. Uh, but if you don't have the people, uh, it's going to be a very difficult uh, uh, thing to move uh, the city. Uh, in Lawrence, we have that. We have private, we have public, we have nonprofit, all collaborating and working together. Uh, this has been the fundamental difference. There is no one person or entity who's done it all. It's a combined effort over a long period of time. So I think a lot of people say, oh, wow, overnight. No, it's it's, you know, 30 years uh, in the making. Um, uh, so it definitely it takes a village, uh, but we need more villagers to take pride and to participate. Um, we can't afford to wait for someone else to make these changes for us. We need to be the change. And it's safe to say that immigrants business owners, workers, community members are part of that change uh, in Lawrence. I was I remember talking to Teresa Park on this podcast, and she was very proud of the work that she was able to accomplish in Lawrence, which was incidentally the place where her Korean family moved when they first came to the U.S. Um, finally, um, you said your, you know, your grandfather moved from the Dominican Republic to the U.S., and eventually sent for your mother. Um, it wasn't an easy task for either of them. And, you know, your mom walking around with dictionaries at school, and I have that vivid memory in, in my head, uh, but she stuck with it, and here you are. Reflect on the, those risks that they took and compare it perhaps to the risks that you take as an entrepreneur. Because I, th I think about it often. I think about it often, the risks that they take, and I think a, a lot of what I've done has been based uh, on thinking about, in retrospect, the sacrifices that were made uh, by all of those that came before me. I think I mentioned that earlier. Um, I think about a lot of the risks that I've taken as an investor, you know, the hard money lending, the, the, the large risks that I've taken. And I, by far, cannot compare that to the risks of my grandfather, uh, my mother, my father who came here, uh, uh, you know, um, when I think about it, I think it's because I still live in my comfort zone and my choices, be it college or career, were all closely, you know, uh, relative to where my family is and, and what I thought my options were. Uh, but just having those options, just having options in general, I think a lot of people take for granted, right? You don't have to be right about your options, but you still have options, right? Um, but their risk and, and their decisions revolved around something deeper, uh, the safety of their families, um, to put people in better positions that's not so much themselves, but their, but their daughters, their sons, the, the, and, and the sons and daughters of, of their uh, sons and daughters. Uh, to have more resources, uh, you know, they, they weren't looking to be millionaires. Uh, they, they were just looking for a better life, uh, and they risked it all to do so. Uh, they came to this country with no real money, uh, no real connections and uh, no resources until they got here and they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out, right? Uh, there was this, this myth 
that uh, the country that they were going to had this stuff waiting for them. Um, and this was still a better option than just staying put. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I think um, nobody goes into something and, and takes risks and says, this is a bad idea, but let me do it anyway. Everybody thinks whatever risk they're taking is because there's some reward and, and, and something. And I think in retrospect, uh, uh, I myself and the reward uh, and hopefully my kids' kids as well uh, of all the sacrifices that they've made. I did not mean to exclude dad. We have to mention dad as well. <laughs> um, lastly, I'm sure that they're going to be... Uh, young brown boys and girls, uh, teenagers, people in their 20s, who perhaps consider starting their own business. Um, what advice would you give to young budding, budding entrepreneurs? Or what are some of the lessons that you've learned that you think you would like to impart? There's nothing builds, no, nothing beats out keeping your word, you know, uh, building trust, um, you know, those things, that's what everything is based off of. Right. Um, I, relationships with bankers, relationship with networking people, all of that is going to continue building the more that you can build your trust with them uh, and complete the task that you say you're going to complete. Um, if you continue doing that, I think more people will follow you. I think more people will uh, trust you. I think more people will invest in you. Uh, and you have to be willing to take that risk on yourself and say you're good enough and 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 you're trustworthy enough. and and. Don't break, don't break that for anything or anybody, not even money. Um, and if you keep at it, it, you will succeed. Not even money. I love how you phrased that. Uh, Evan Silverio, president and CEO of Silverio Insurance Agency in Lawrence, Haverhill and Woburn, and sole manager of Diverse Real Estate. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the JobMakers podcast. This was a lovely and fascinating interview. Uh, thank you so much, Denzel, for having me. And uh, I love the podcast. Um, and I'll continue to keep listening. Jobmakers is a weekly podcast about immigrant entrepreneurship and contribution produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center in Malden, Massachusetts, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. I'm so happy that you joined us for this week's powerful story of immigrant entrepreneurship passed down to the next generation. Remember, you can subscribe to Jobmakers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please, leave us a review. I'm Denzel Mohammed. See you next Thursday at noon for another Jobmakers. <laughs>